Bob Nets and Jeff Schlemmer. Gentlemen, nice to see you again. Good morning, Jeff. Uh, I want to take advantage of having Bob and Jeff here. And we, we say sometimes on the program, it's not so much about uh, political philosophy. Sometimes we just kick issues around. Today, I suspect, though, that there may very well be some differing political philosophies around the table. I want to talk about labor unrest in this province with two particular, the obvious cases here. Uh, not exactly the same cases, but both of them arising out of the collective right of workers in this province to strike. Uh, a right that was hard fought for, that uh, some people literally died for, and a right that is jealously protected by organized labor in Ontario. We have the situation in Toronto where the uh, Toronto garbage workers and some other city workers, after some period of negotiation, said, uh, uh, and the contract expired, said, well, we've not been able to come up with a new contract. We're going to withdraw our labor. Um, the city of Toronto said, well, we're not going to negotiate because we've given you what we think is a good deal. So we're gonna we're playing chicken here essentially. Well, they played chicken until the Pope's visit got a little too close for comfort. The Pope's coming in a week or so, so they got to get the city cleaned up. So the Ontario government has indicated they'll be back to work legislation, which means unless the unions are very desperate and uh, willing to take a very uh, serious risk, they will go back to work. Uh, the other direction down the highway is the Navistar plant in Chatham where under new legislation introduced by the Mike Harris government, um, the workers do indeed have the right to withdraw their work uh, from the plant, um, and the plant has the right to invite other people to come in and do said work. Uh, it's on the statutes. It's legal in the province of Ontario. Uh, the union there has said it's not going to happen. Uh, there'll be bloodshed if you try. The police, in an effort to avoid bloodshed, have uh, been fairly successful. There's been one very unfortunate young man was injured. Um, but basically, the union has defied the law, and uh, no, one has, no one has called them on it. Uh, the police have not called them on it. For some very good reasons, I think. You can make a strong case that we don't want bloodshed, and there might very well be. And if you know there's going to be, then what do you do? Anyway, that's some of the things we want to talk about today, some of the answers we want to try to get. And I want to, I want to start with, uh, with Bob. I want to ask you about the, uh, the situation in Toronto. Uh, given, given the reality, and I, I don't want to get too esoteric here, but given the realities of the situation, and the, the workers did have the right to strike, uh, but now the, the medical officer of health says it's becoming a health issue in the city. That's the reason that the government says that they're going to mm -hmm. push through this uh, legislation to end the strike. Um, what do you think of what they're doing? I'm not going to ask you whether is it right or wrong, or maybe it is. Is it right or wrong that the government steps in and says you have to go back to work? Well, it's again an emergency decision caused by bad thinking and bad philosophy and false premises in the first place. There's no such thing as a collective right, for heaven's sakes. Um, that's the big lie, by the way. But uh, they have no choice at this point. Um, if it is a health hazard, then it has to be cleaned up. I don't see why they have to legislate anyone back. I just think that they have to get somebody to clean it up. It should be private people picking it up. Um, as far as I'm concerned, they can fire the lot of them. I really feel that way about it. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think, I think unions are an uncivilized way of supposed negotiations. You don't negotiate when you're held at the point of a gun. You negotiate only when you have an ability to go to somebody else. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to, to me, if, if like... You know, they even say that their purpose, and they tell you their purpose to, is to be able to disrupt and to be destructive and to use violence and not to not to allow, quote, scab labor in, you know. Like, I mean, if outside laborers are scabs, then the unions have to be the wound. I mean, that's the only way I look at it, and they are. They're a deep wound. I think this is doing a great 
disservice to their own members and to the labor movement at large. Now, what about the move down the highway the other way, where the uh, union has said very clearly that if you interfere with us, there will be bloodshed. If you try to bring well, workers again, into this... That into confirms this what I just said. They believe they have the right to use violence. Civilization exists when society bans the use of coercion and the initiation of violence in social relationships. That's what the definition of civilization is. This is uncivilized behavior. And unfortunately, we have our most, uh, you know, our leading groups. You've got basically who's breaking the law and violating contracts. We see unions, we see school boards, we see teachers, we see Toronto outside workers. You know, all the people that should be setting an example. The very people who depend on the concept of a contract, which is a capitalistic convention, you know, are talking collective rights and this and that. What about the guy who's unemployed? He has rights too. There's no such thing as a right to a job. There's a right to work. Jeffrey, what do you say about all that? Oh, I love the divide and conquer thing that uh, that we always get from uh, from apologists for the wealthy. They say, well, you know, uh, you don't have as much as I do, but there's somebody who's got less than you do, and if you don't like it, then I'll just uh, put them in your spot in instead. I'm not aware of any laws being broken. I, I'm, I guess there may be I, uh, that I don't know about, but uh, that's one of the interesting things about, uh, about collective uh, bargaining is that it has all been clothed in legality that... Uh, a hundred years ago, um, you know, the battles were fought on picket lines and so on. At, at which time, there weren't laws to say that you could uh, that you could do these things. But uh, um, the folks who were uh, the workers went out and were savvy enough to uh, get enough people elected to change laws, so that they've enshrined all this stuff in legislation. And it is strangely enough, most of the stuff is all legal now. Um, but as far as the um, as far as uh, whether there's a problem with getting together with uh, with other workers to say if we're going to negotiate we're going to negotiate together, I, I my thing is that I'm a libertarian. I believe in individual rights, and one of the most fundamental rights is the right of freedom of, of association. If I want to associate with somebody else, I'm free to do that, and my boss can't tell me you're not allowed to talk to your other workers, you're not allowed to find out how much they're making or whatever. My thing is that uh, I can talk to whoever I want, and I can find out whatever I want, and if we all si decide that when we sit down to negotiate for our pay, we're going to do it together and say it's all of us or none of us and it's going to be all the same pay for everybody, then then I can do that. And I think that that is a fundamental important right that has redressed a lot of the power problem that you have if you're one person working at Ford trying to negotiate your, your pay with, uh, with Henry. Isn't there a problem there, though, when you say all of us together, some, at some point you have to draw the line? of where the, the, an inclusionary or exclusionary line. So you're saying all of us within this line, but there are maybe people outside the line who do not agree, who say, no, I don't think that job is worth $20 an hour. I'd gladly do it for 15 How do we justify that line? Uh, how much you get paid? Well, no, but how do you justify the fact? Because you, you, you said you, you, you have the right to do this as an individual, and if, therefore you have the right to do things collectively with other individuals. You're basically asking how do you justify a labor monopoly. Well, well yeah. we don't have a labor monopoly by a long shot. What do we got? Of, that's what every union, union represents. Every union represents. 40% of the working force. Okay, but not to Navistar. So the majority of Canadians are not unionized to start with. Yeah. So I'm not talking talk about the majority of Canadians. I don't want to talk about monopolies either. I want to follow what you said. Yeah. To go, though. So you're an individual, and you get together with all these other individuals, and they all say, we believe that, uh, that we want to bargain together, we believe that we bring this value to the company, that we're going to do this, this, and this, this, and we're going we're gonna to bargain collectively. Yeah. Okay? Um, and I, up to that point, makes perfect sense to me. But then you have to say at some point, but that's everybody who's inside this line. If you do not want to step inside this line with us, then you have no rights at all. You cannot bid on that same job that we are bidding on. Well, again, that's true of of anybody in any 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 uh, employment situation. You have an employment contract, so by definition, somebody else can't come in and 
take over your part of the contract without you having something to say about it. But no if the contract. contract. The contract's expired, excuse me. Uh, oh, no, there well, certainly is a contract, and it continues well, on. So all it the goes time. on forever and ever and I, ever, I can eh? debate, like debate labor law with you, Bob, yeah. but uh, fundamentally under labor law what happens is that it, when the contract expires, the terms of the existing contract continue until there's a new one signed. But fundamentally for me, what's interesting... Is that right, though? You know, you, well, that, you that's law. Talk, well, the <laughs> law is well, wrong, You can talk about you know? lawless behavior, Jim but that's the law. doesn't want to talk about monopoly, and then he goes and defines explicitly a monopoly situation. The fundamental issue, and it's actually what I do for a living and uh, I was racing down here to get here in time today because I got held up with a phone call where we're negotiating to try and settle a, a, a case and uh, you know I negotiate for a living and negotiation is all about power and who's got it and what are you going to do about it and uh, in, in uh, negotiation theory they talk about the BATNA that is what's the best alternative to a negotiated agreement and it, it, from the standpoint of both sides it's always about trying to have as much power as you can so when you go into your negotiation you can persuade the other side to, to go along with what you want and and so uh, what happens is that uh, certainly historically negotiations uh, management's had a lot of power uh, somebody somewhere got the idea a long time ago to say well what if we band together can we sort of stand up to that, then the question always becomes, well, has one side got too much or has the other side got too much? So, for instance, Bob Ray banned uh, replacement workers said you can't bring in Big replacement workers anymore. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so then Mike Harris got in and he re repealed that legislation, so now mm -hmm. you've got them again. And it's it's this pendulum going back and forth. But one of the things that, that, that is interesting to me in all of this is that it's become fairly sophisticated in the sense that it's all lawyers. The, the unions have got uh, staffs of lawyers. The management certainly got tons of lawyers. Uh, and this is all like a pirouette. It's all almost orchestrated. Mm -hmm. You can almost predict how it's going to go, you know, and it's gonna, they're going to do this, they're going to say that, and it's going to go back the other way and they'll say this and that and the other thing. And I'll bet you that experienced labor um, people could probably predict exactly how these things are going to end, and they can tell you when it's going to end. How do we justify, just to shift the focus a little bit then, how do we, uh, people who are not involved in this on the outside, who look at, for example, if uh, if I were to, uh, and I'm, I'm going to stretch the analogy a little bit because I'm not sure I can get an exact one, but if I, if I were to get a few of my friends and block the sidewalk in front of my house and say to my other neighbors, I don't want you walking in front of my house. I don't want you to do that. Uh, it is clearly against the law for me to do that. It is clearly against the law for the Navistar workers to stop those uh, scabs, if you will, from entering that plant. Uh, you said yourself, the, 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 the Mike Harris government changed that law. It is clearly against the law. If I block my sidewalk, chances are, if I'm recalcitrant, if, if the cops show up and say, okay, I'm sorry, I changed my mind, nothing would happen. But if the cops showed up and I said, screw you, we're staying here, nobody's crossing the line, my keister would be in the can just as fast as they could get me into the car. Um, from a, from an, uh, the Martian perspective, which I talk about sometimes, the guy comes from, you know, knows nothing about our society, comes from Mars and looks at it. He's going to be very perplexed by why that's not happening at Navistar and would happen in front of my house. Yeah. What, well, what would you tell him? Well, I guess there's two things. The first is that uh, w one of my sort of eye-opening experiences was when I was on the police board because we had the AccuRide strike at that time, mm -hmm. and we also had the day of protest. Uh, remember that, that yep. day? And in both cases, I was I was very surprised by Chief Fantino's take on the thing, which was that he said that we're there to keep the peace. We're not there to sort of uh, help one side or the other. And at the time, and uh, you may recall with AccuRide that the um, that the CEO was out of Kentucky, and he was quite unhappy with what the police were not doing to assist him. And he had actually taken out full-page ads in the London Free Press saying, mm -hmm. uh, anarchy reigns in the city of London. Mm -hmm. Why won't the mayor do something about it? And we had this tense meeting at the police board about that. And uh, the chief had said again, you know, that uh, that's not what their job it's not their job to get into the middle of this thing so they they have a fine sort their of job is to uphold the law excuse me well, it's not to keep the well, peace and again, if that's what they think it is and we're then we live in a lawless land yeah well i guess 
just just somebody who 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 uh, looks at it sort of um, without sort of uh, dealing with the law as a whole. That that that's a way that's a way to do it, and to say that if somebody spits on the sidewalk, you throw them in jail. But the police are always exercising discretion, and what they're trying to assess is what should we do at any given time. What, what, what is worth what? So, for instance, uh, uh, is it worth um, shooting somebody because they're trespassing in a park? Uh, you know, we've had that debate for years. Uh, so the police are always trying you to balance that discretion. You know, that debate that would stop the first day they start shooting people for trespassing. <laughs> you won't see trespassing Well, no, that's anymore. when it started, actually. It was the day that Dudley George was killed. But anyway, what happens in this case is that, again, it's all part of this dance that goes on. And another thing that I should have mentioned is this idea about legislating people back to work. Uh, you need to understand that what that means is that when they pass legislation saying you have to go back to work, the legislation always includes provision for how we're going to settle this thing. And what it usually is is binding arbitration. So they say, we're going to submit your differences to an arbitrator who's going to hear everything you have to say and then make a decision. The, from the standpoint of unions, usually they like that because usually they do a lot better in a binding arbitration situation than they do in free collective bargaining. So it's usually management who don't want to have legislation that mm -hmm. says you can't strike. They would this rather is, have that great, way. But I've been watching the clock for the last three minutes. You've been dancing around my question. Oh. And the fact that, that Chief Fantino said it's our job to uphold the peace doesn't necessarily make it true. Oh, I see. I okay. tend to agree with Bob. I think that the police's job is to uphold the law. Yeah, well, and again, okay. I, I guess and, and the, the I, 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 I made a logical leap there. I made a logical leap there, which is <laughs> but, but Julian Fantino is one, one of the most right-wing guys I ever met in my life. Okay, and he knows what he's talking about around it, and has dealt with it for a whole lifetime. And he's dealing, you know, he's a Toronto chief right now. He's and in the I middle don't, of that I, one. I, I'd be the, I'd so, be the last person to 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 dispute his bona fides, but I would, by the same token, I would not take his opinion as as carried down from the mount, uh, because if you take that same opinion and extra extrapolate it to other places. The classic one is the guy comes out of a bank with two guns in his hand, has just held up the bank, police says stop or, sh stop or I'll shoot, and the guy starts shooting and somebody gets killed. Were the police right to do that, or should the police say, oh my God, he's got a gun, let's get him in the car, let's let get him out of here? Well, it's like how, for instance, the police, police do not investigate white-collar fraud anymore. They just don't Jeff, do you keep it. changing the subject. No, Could I'm you answer Jim's question, well, please? I'm, I'd like to hear the answer, too. Well, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to, I'm tr I'm trying yeah, to, always, I'm trying to explain yeah, this. You're always well, some rich guy. I'm surprised know, you haven't brought well, up Bill sure, Gates yet. Well, there are people <laughs> in the world who <laughs> like to sort of ignore reality and pretend everything and is I'm listening to one. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to real When I start to try to explain, I get interrupted, so I just can't finish. In this case, the police do not investigate white-collar fraud. It's against the law to commit white-collar fraud. They don't have the resources to do it, so they say, we're not going to do it anymore. And I'm as angry about that as I am about this. Maybe we should have them enforcing every law all the time, but there are tons of laws that don't get enforced, and what the police do is they try and figure out which ones do we enforce with the resources we yeah, have but and which Jeff, ones don't but we. Jeff, and this usually, is one of the ones well, they don't. Usually, usually the person and property should be at the top of the list. Usually they the ones they enforce are the more visible ones, too, and this well, is pretty life. visible, isn't it? Well, that's what I mean. That uh, The first thing is that I would suggest to you, and and uh, I'm told that the, the, the London Police Service and all police services are big tents with, with all diverse opinions in them, but there are a lot of very right-wing guys who are police constables mm -hmm. who are no fans of unions I'll mm -hmm. tell you that so they're the ones out there on the line you know not getting the the, the, uh, the replacement workers in so from my perspective it's like well those guys would love to be doing it if they can mm -hmm. they feel they can't you know and and just go back to, to, to the first principles here the ba basic answer to your question is to why it is that the world is the way it is in this case and why it is they don't just sort of ram a tank through and have these guys follow. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know the answer. I, I, I'm not a liberal lawyer. <laughs> Having said that, I know the that there are some Jeff people who are pretty people smart. They have a right to use force to get what they want. And you're among them. And that's why you keep saying you don't know why you think what you believe because you, well, you, you, you it's unsupportable. You may know better than me that, that Fantino you know, is, is some kind of radical Fantino. lefty or something. But if you're Fantino could do it, he would be. You're always changing the subject and pointing to some other person who's got nothing to do with our conversation. We're going to 
guess I'm saying that a guy who's even more right wing than you thinks it's not a good idea. So I would suggest since he knows what he's talking about. We're going to change the. We're going to change whatever it is we're going to change, and we'll be right back. This is Talk of the Town on 1290 CJBK. My friend Senator Nets. <laughs> you guys calm down now? <laughs> Take a deep breath. Here. All right. Jeff made a comment earlier today about, you know, right-wing guys thinking that, uh, that something ought to be done, the tanks ought to go through or whatever, whoever said that. I don't think, Jeff, with the greatest of respect, that this is about left or right at all, just from the kinds of people that I've talked to over the last few days, people like me who, who are of mixed emotions, who on the one hand, you know, I was, in a, I was a labor uh, union member for 25 years and my father for 30-some years, and I know what it's like to be a, a member of a union and the kind of protections that you're afforded and so on. I know the values of that. At the same time, I think like a lot of just ordinary Canadians, never mind left, right, or center, we look at a situation, and, and no disrespect to the union at Navis, Navistar, but any union situation like this, where the laws are flagrantly being, being broken and people are not being held accountable, and we ask ourselves, why can they break the law with impunity, and we can't? Well, fundamentally, my, my point wasn't that right-wing people think that uh, that you should be able to go in. My point was that right-wing people think you should not be able to go in. The Julian Fantinos of the world are saying, no, you can't go in, and we're, we're the police, and we're standing here, and we're not going to let you Yeah, pass. but Fantino had, a, has a, Fantino had and has another agenda there, and I spoke to him about this at the time. He had a concern about the safety of his officers, and rightly so. London is an understaffed an understaffed city. We but don't that's have a balancing issue. He doesn't have a concern when it comes to, to stopping a bank robber who's got a hostage. What he's saying is, we're not going to go out and get hurt just so that you guys can get a, a couple cents shaved off the uh, off the offer but and settle a agreement. But is that if is somebody's going to get killed? Is that his we're decision? There. Is that his decision to make? Oh, sure it is. That uh, again, he's not going to go out and get somebody killed because somebody spat on the sidewalk. If it takes killing some uh, an officer to to stop that criminal, he's saying it's not worth it. You but have to balance there, it. But would there be an issue of anybody getting killed if the police, the very first day those buses had gone through, if the police had said, "Boys, the buses are going through," and that's the end of it. They're well, going through. Don't don't well, escalate this thing. You do it. You're going to do it on your own heads. This, we're going to follow the law. Yeah. We're going to ask you to this follow the law. The first thing to bear in contract. mind when you talk about violence is that uh, when you talk about violence on the picket line, what you're normally talking talking about is security staff, that they're the ones who tend to hurt people. That I know that from, from some perspectives, uh, management will try and, f and characterize this saying that it's the strikers who are going to commit violence. That's very rarely the case. Well, they violence the, the minute case. they step what in they front do of do someone is and passive prevent aggressiveness, them from going in. resistance where suddenly 300 of them will sit down on the, on the street mm -hmm. and say you can't get through. It's the Gandhi thing, the mm -hmm. uh, non-violent uh, protesting. That's what they do. So it's not that anybody is suggesting that a CAW worker is going to go and punch somebody out if they try and come through. What they're saying is 300 of us are going to sit on the street. And having said that, if 300 of your neighbors sat on your street, the right police aren't going to arrest 300 of you either. For. That's mm. the problem. The problem is that th these protesters do not have a fundamental just right to what they're protesting for. It's like what Jim said, the Martian perspective. It's all about power, and they have a right to negotiate for, for the best morality. deal they can get, and their opponents have the right to negotiate for the best deal they can get. That's well, negotiation means that you, I, if, I, if I'm an employer and you're telling me I have the right to negotiate, that means I can say no to you and yes to but Jim. But sitting down on the street but under your is terms, a right you can't have, say and no if 300 you. of you sit down the street, that's one of the tactics that you might use. To try no, you to don't have a right to sit position. in the street. No, I can't, I can't oh, yeah, take... I assure you, you, you've got a right to have a thousand people you sit have in the a street, right. but you don't have a right to have one. 
No, you don't have a right to have a thousand people sit in the street. Oh man, oh man, we got to go back to kindergarten. Well, and again, I guess your your perspective on the law is different than mine. My perspective is, again, the police do not act illegally. The police act pursuant to the law. In this case, there's a body of labor law. There's a body of labor. You're political. Well, I haven't gotten into that. Listen, that's the first thing is I haven't even started to talk about whether or not when you've got these massive bonuses and this massive fraud that we now see is being committed by the senior executives. What's that got to do with Maristar? We're the same guys. Well, because you wanted to ask about fairness. This is the What's it got to do with Navistar? You when know, it comes back, you have any, you have any evidence at all that any of that has anything to do with Navistar? The first You're thing defending you'll say is, the well, we can't afford to violence. pay any raises right now because, you know, oh, it's a bad economy and every other reason in the sun. If they were bargaining in good faith and saying, geez, we've had a hell of a decade here, you know, we're taking out multi-million dollar bonuses personally each year, maybe we can't afford to give a bit of a raise here. If they did that, they wouldn't have, they wouldn't get past square one. They'd be settled. In fact, if they submitted that case to binding arbitration, they wouldn't have to have a picket line at all because it would just get worked out by the arbitrators. Fairness. I, I, I haven't talked about fairness That's at all fair? because I'm saying fairness is beside the point. You're talking about the, the nuts and bolts of okay, picket lines and how fairness do those work. Fairness is beside the point. Yeah, because the whole your fundamental of the union premise, Bob, is of that socialism, the guys who work on the, the line not should not participate this? in any of the in any of the uh, benefits of uh, of success on the part of the company. That, that's where we who disagree shouldn't? about that. You're saying that the people who work there shouldn't. That no, only I think the I think the should. key thing that's been said here is that fairness is beside the point. That sort of well, that's right. Clarifies it for me a little bit. Clearly, on the side of the workers, that you don't even get into that. The question fundamentally, though, is that in this case, there are certain rights that management has, and one of them is that they worked hard to elect Mike Harris so they could repeal that law, and good on them. That's all part of the One process. of the rights management you has know, is to vote for they Mike did Harris. That, what then a right. <laughs> oh, I think they did a little more than vote for them. Well, they had the largest fundraisers in Canadian no, history not, for Mike all right, Harris. All right, let's, okay, support, let's, let's, support, let's suppose that they did. Okay, let's support that. Let's suppose that's exactly what happened. That is still within the context of the laws of the province of Ontario. Yeah. Well, again, uh, I haven't heard of any laws being broken, so fundamentally, until somebody's arrested, uh, no laws have been broken that I'm aware of. You know, oh, that's the bottom line. And 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 well, these people these have been these people have been refused access to this plant. That breaks yeah. the law right Nobody's there. Nobody's been charged with it. What's the problem? Well, again, that comes oh. down to the question: well, What are the police before, doing? Police so no aren't one, stupid. No, no law the police are not left-wing radicals. If the police haven't seen any crimes committed, then nobody's broken the law. You know, and you oh, will hear so all the, kinds of the rhetoric out of the If the falls down in the forest and no one's there to hear it, well, doesn't make I don't, a sound. You may not trust the police, <laughs> but actually I do. And uh, that's maybe a difference between us. But I don't think that the police are going to sit by and watch all kinds of lawlessness. What I find is that there are laws there that you and I don't know about, and those are the ones that the police are enforcing. So, so you know, I, as far as I've not heard anybody suggest that the police are not doing their job. I is heard the management a, say they want the no, National Guard to come is in. Is there a hierarchy? Now, you're the only lawyer here. Is there a hierarchy of law in this province? I mean, yeah. the laws well, sure. that trump other laws? Yeah. Well, usually, for instance, provincial law trumps the municipal law. Got, so you're saying uh, the media has missed all of this. Uh, constitutional okay. uh, yeah. law trumps provincial law. So laws. is it possible, then, that there's a constitutional issue here that is trumping the, the very clear provincial law? The provincial law says the Navistar has the right to have people come in and work in that plant. Right. It's clear-cut. There's no questions. There's no ifs, or bu ifs yeah. ands, or buts. Yeah. They have the right to have those people come in there. Well, so so yeah. uh, I'm back to being the ordinary guy in the street which is very much what I am on this issue because I'm really torn well, by I this am issue. Too, actually. Um, so, you know, I look at this and I say, okay, if that's what the law says and if I believe that we, that we all need to support the law even when it doesn't work to our benefit, because uh, maybe tomorrow it will. Maybe tomorrow it'll protect us. Maybe it beats us up a little yeah. today, but tomorrow it's going to protect us. But there's clearly competing laws here. And, and well, again, you think that's what's happening? Well, yeah, and again, part of the reason I think that is that, again, that 
the, the police have not, I don't, as far as I know, the only charge they've laid is the fellow who ran into the fellow, mm -hmm. the security guard who ran into the striker. It's the only charge that's come out of this whole thing. But you know, in order to, rage, to, to lay a charge, they're going to have to seize somebody. They're going to have to apprehend oh, somebody. Oh, it's easy to do, though. They videotape them all, like there are video cameras yeah, all over but the, the union, place. Yeah, the they union, but the union... Come in there at but night, the union, but the union has threatened violence if that happens. They said again, the, the, the union has said there will be the a bloodbath. No, the union has said there will be a bloodbath. Yeah, right. The union has said that. Well, you know, why are we what does that mean? Are you seriously <laughs> suggesting the Canadian auto workers are going to take up M16 rifles and start shooting, or what in the world oh, are we no, talking nobody's about? Nobody's saying about shooting. You're trying to seriously suggest to me this guy that was hurt wasn't this guy that was hurt wasn't hurt with an M16. He was hurt because of an unfortunate security guard. He was a striker. Unfortunate set of circumstances. Surely you're not going to suggest that violence on the part of management can be used as a rationale to say that, see, the union's going to commit violence. It's the but Jeff, the no, Jeff, come on, Jeff. The, you're the union, your life and your property. This is you the have largest right union in force. Canada. This is the, the most sophisticated union in Canada. And, and this is the union that said, Buzz Hargrove said on this radio station yeah. that there would be violence. Well, we've already had violence, and that's what I mean is it's going to get a lot worse because they'll have 5,000 guys sitting on the road, and another security guy will lose his cool, and somebody else is going to get hurt, but it's not going to be how do we know that? How do we know the security guy lost his cool? This hasn't been adjudicated yet, has it? I'm amazed. Of the doubt and suggesting he didn't do it on you, purpose. as a lawyer, that you, as a lawyer, would jump to that conclusion. I'm absolutely astounded that no, you would do that. No, this is the most generous conclusion one can leap to. If one was ungenerous, he'd say he did it on purpose. What I'm but saying you don't is know anything that about he did it. it accidentally. I'm being generous to him. We know he ran over somebody and put him, in, made him seriously injured. I'm saying I believe in my heart of hearts it was an accident. Okay, I don't think that the security guards set out to commit violence. When was the last time you heard of a Canadian auto worker being arrested for any kind of violence? Or committing any kind of violence. It just doesn't happen. Well, this they is just a huge, big, they don't get union. Ar they don't get arrested, they some people would say, is the point. Not that well, nothing goes on. They you know, on unless TV, you believe that I there's a vast left-wing conspiracy running this government. That aren't arrested. And I see them doing seriously it. believe, unless you, there's, there's a vast left-wing conspiracy running the government, if the police see a crime, they will charge somebody over it. You know, but having said that, they I don't know why that why I have to believe in some left wing if they see somebody conspiracy. committing a jaywalk, they're not going to bring out the SWAT team. That's not the way it works. So, but but again, fundamentally, one thing about Jeff, this, jaywalking and, 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 and all of our conversations and conversations on the radio are an important part of the different from each other. bargaining tactics that. One of the things that, of course, both sides are trying to do is to win the hearts and minds of the public. So you're going to have this kind of debate. Having said that, it's happened a zillion times before. It's going to happen a zillion times again. And again, if I was a labor lawyer, I could probably tell you it's going to settle in about three weeks, and it's going to settle on roughly these terms, and this is how they'll do it. But you can't fast forward. You have to go through the whole now, dance. I'm going to tell you how it's going to settle. They're okay. Gonna, this plant is going to close. That's fine. The plan that's is fine. That's fine. That's fine? <laughs> we talk about the threat of a bloodbath. You talk about the threat of we'll take our marbles and go home. That's all part of the power play that is negotiation. It's, all, that's it's always all, the power play with the our, American the, branch plants. It's always the part of the way our society is built. It could be a Canadian yeah. plant, too. Yeah, Ford it's is trying to do that. It's in the all, way every our society is structured. Afterwards, they always end up with more workers in Canada than in the States because it's a better place to do business. But, yeah, I, see, I don't have a problem with that. My thing is that it's all hardball negotiation. Yeah. In hardball negotiation, it's surprising what's fair. I know so that you're my saying boss if, labor say, if some group of labor doesn't get what they want, then that business shouldn't exist for no, anybody. I think it was, Nobody I think it was should business who were making that, idle, that particular idle threat. But my boss used to point what? out when I started working... I don't think it's the, it's the union that would, would close the plan. I think it's management. But yeah, anyway, if you, if you, my boss used to no, say... I've only got 30 seconds. Okay. I've got to ask you this. Okay, I've okay. got to ask you this. I've got to get this quote in, though. Would the community be better off 
if the plant said, listen, we simply cannot pay this kind of money to do this job, but we will pay this much, and if you want somebody to work for that, we'll leave the plant open. If you don't, we're going to close the plant. You're the mayor of the town. Which one do you want? It's the oldest bargaining employee in the world. It may very well be, but it. which one do you want? If we fell for that right now, we You're may as well be Americans. You're the mayor. Which no, one do you want? No, I would not fall for it. I don't give in to that kind of nonsense. You wouldn't fall for if what? It was a, if it was a valid threat, I'd listen, but that's nonsense, and we hear that all the time. As my boss pointed out, when I started working... How do you know it's a valid threat until they close the door? Well, again... What we've well, seen is you look at, I, I, wanna, I use I history as a guide in, to the future. I don't, I don't just look at, in I don't just sort of look at somebody <laughs> and they say, well, they're making these wild threats, so I have okay, to Okay, your boss in. used to say, quickly. used to say, it ain't a tea party. Well, it ain't been a tea party today. <laughs> thanks, thanks to Bob Metz and Jeff Schlemmer, always lively when the guys are Suffered by. today, Jim. Uh, thank you, gentlemen. Always a pleasure. And uh, what was the quote of the day today? It's not about fair. Yeah, okay. that says remember. it all. Fairness is beside the point. Fair is beside the point. That's right. We're going to remember that one. And Jeff says it with a smile on his face. Uh, we thank Bob uh, and Jeff for joining us.